0: The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group.
2: Of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional.
0: The following program is pre recorded on AM 1420. The Answer. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington.
3: things are going well for you? I was just reading about how uh, dismal the outlook by individual investors are these days. They everybody's really upset. And uh, it's we've actually got read, had one of the lowest level readings in decades. So that's kind of interesting because when you look around, if it weren't for the pandemic and the supply chain issues, you know, Demand's still there and economies are still growing all over the world so it's not a lack of demand which is that's that's when you want to be really worried when people just don't want to buy anything or they don't want to spend any money because they're super worried Um, that's not the problem the problem is a lack of supply and that'll slow things down and you probably see the Fed they may raise interest rates again uh, this year in, um, maybe a couple different times. So my advice to that, if you're looking on it, you know, if you're investing, if you're getting close to retirement, you're wondering about maybe what you should do. Um, I would use for bonds. I would either use a super short-term bond fund. You're not going to make much money on it, but it's not going to drop like a rock either. Uh, if they do start raising interest rates or you just buy some short-term treasury bonds and those you know, give, give yourself two, three years at the most. And then in another 24 to 36 months, you can take another look at it and we can see where we are at that point in time. So that's, I think those are really good strategies. And the fact that stocks are down is a, uh, is actually a good thing. Uh, if you're thinking about buying low and selling high, um, second segment in today's program, I'm going to show you how to do that without having to know where the market's going. And see that that's the number one problem that I see. And I would have thought by this point in time, you know, I've been doing this since 1988. Okay, that's how old I am. <laughs> and I got into the industry. I wasn't in right out of college, so I had had a couple other jobs before I started doing this. And the uh, um, by the way, I didn't go to college. I didn't have parents paying for that because we couldn't afford it. The uh, I had to go on a uh, I had to go in a football scholarship. And back in those days, we were 50 hours a week, 10 months out of the year. You got two months off at Christmas and six weeks off for summer. And I always took the abbreviated six-week summer school classes because I would take 18 to 20 credit hours because it was the only time uh, I had time to, to actually put a lot of time into the homework. And so actually the only time I ever made the dean's list. Because I didn't have to, uh, um, I didn't have to play football. (laughs) Now think about that. So you're you're gonna take your courses in one third of the time. You get one third of the time of normal semester, and your grades go up substantially. What does that tell you about what you had to do in the regular school year? Yeah, it was brutal. And uh, back in those days, only one in five college uh, athletes who were on scholarship ever graduated. And the reason being is the sport. And it was gymnastics. It was volleyball. I, well, actually, I think other than the physical, uh, the injuries, the, the girls volleyball team there at Kent State, those, they put more hours in than we did. I felt so sorry for them. It was Mind-boggling, how much time they had to spend on that sport. Uh, anyway, so I'm glad that they've got some rules that have changed that today. But uh, and it, it made it to the point where I, you know, I really wanted to pay attention to this economic thing. I was thinking, my here was my thought. This is a, a 18, 19 year old kid trying to figure out what he's going to do in his future, uh, being worked to death, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, anyway. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this economics class because it sounds like uh, I, I'll learn how the economy works, and and maybe I can figure out what rich people do, and uh, and you know what, it, I was right. It, it really helped a lot, and uh, uh, I took a whole bunch of finance classes, minoring in finance, and um, actually, I think I was really a uh, general studies because I was in arts and science. I just loaded up uh, on both those classes and uh, those, um. Subjects. And interestingly enough, in the United States, the United States is the only country or, or was the only country when I was going to college that taught economics as a standalone science. Every other country teaches it as political economics. And, uh, and I have to tell you, I have to hold my tongue so many times. I hear so many people that uh, want to bring politics into the economy. It's, it's the you know, it's the president. No, it's not. The president's got one third of the vote one third you still got to get a majority out of the congress and the senate and it's a great system uh despite the fact that you know nothing is perfect it's a whole lot better than a dictatorship ask the people that live in russia the uh how they feel about you know a dictatorship so anyway nothing's absolutely perfect but i think you know it's pretty good here we have pretty good lives relative to a lot of the countries around the world especially one that's got as many people as we do. But uh, anyway, and I see a lot of really positive stuff. I mean, it's, it's, so many things are going on and it and it's being overshadowed by the bad news. Um, the uh, And they're accentuating the bad news because that's basically what sells ads. And unfortunately, in a capitalist society, you've got to get out there and sell stuff to make a living. And, the easiest way to sell ads is to, you know, accentuate negative stuff, go, going for the shock value. You have to take that into mind, into account, when you're reading something or listening to something. And uh, there are very, very, very few new stories. Most of the stories are old stories that are being recycled and changed just a little bit if you haven't been watching it for the past 30 years, you probably wouldn't notice, and uh, which is why a lot of people are still falling for the same stories that they fell for 30 years ago because they were just being born. And they haven't, nobody goes back to read uh, history or look at all that stuff. It's kind of hard now. Um, well, it's not hard. It, it's, it is hard because you can Google stuff and you can find old stories and you can do a lot of research that way. It's just not the same. And it's just not the same. But, uh, if you were to go back and before the Internet was here, you used to go to the library and they used to have all that stuff on this thing called microfiche. <laughs> and so that's what I would do. I would go back and I would look at the uh, old newspapers and the Cleveland Press, Cleveland Plain Dealer. Those were the uh, uh, local Googles of their day. Anything that happened. And you had a bunch of local newspapers that also uh, were would get to your specific high school or your specific city. Um, so we're, we're doing the same things just a little faster today. And there are more contributors because back in those days, I mean, if you didn't own a newspaper, a company publishing company, how'd you get your story out there? It was pretty difficult today. You can just throw up a, uh, YouTube video and, you know, get, if you're lucky, you get a whole bunch of views And uh, anyway, back to what I was talking about. The, uh, interest rates, if interest rates continue to climb, um, I don't, you know, that's, it's going to make bonds more attractive than stocks are. And that's one of the reasons that stocks have gone down. One of the things that I thought was always interesting, uh, from my, um, finance and economic classes and actually just observation over the past 30 years, uh, which is way more valuable than my college education was, by the way, God, that was a good start. It was a really good start. It gives you framework to try to watch things and try to understand things. But when you see and you experience and you're watching what's actually happening, it's pretty fascinating. Um, you know how you'll know more often than not when a recession is over? Because the stock market will be up more than 20% from its most recent low. <laughs> I think about what I just said. Stock market will be up 20% or so from its most recent low. Okay. That's how you'll know that the recession is ending because the news often times will still be really, really negative. And everybody's wondering why is the market going up? Well, because there, are my opinion. There are an awful lot of really smart people that manage money. There's some big institutions that manage money that this is not their first rodeo. They know that it, the stock market is generally a uh, leading indicator. They know that they're one. Of, they're one of the people that are responsible for it. And what they're doing is they're looking and and forecasting and sending people out into the field and watching. These days, it's probably with drones, uh, the ships, and when the ships start when the line starts to move a little bit faster. When those ships are not parked outside in the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, for uh as long as they were the week before and maybe if it's only by four or five days four or five days will save you a lot of money especially if you're shipping over a, a whole ship a container load or a shipping a shipload full of Audis <laughs> you get a bunch of Audis at five extra days you know is that's money on the clock it doesn't probably doesn't seem like much to an individual, and it's not on an individual basis, but you take that times a few hundred thousand, yeah, that's a lot. So getting that stuff through as quickly as possible, that's kind of a, a key, keeps your costs down, especially when you're talking about you know, groceries or fruits and vegetables that are imported, you know, five days, they could, they could literally you know, that, that rot over that, and they are rotting uh, the whole time. So, you I'm know, really getting off on tangents here. Sorry about that. But uh, so the bottom line is, you know, I still get people constantly after 30 years. Uh, has it been 30 years? When's 1996? So 2006 would be 10, 2016 is 20. Well, so that's only been about 24 years. Feels like 30. <laughs> <laughs> so for 24 years, I've been talking about this and I'm still getting the same questions that I got 24 years ago. And I couldn't figure that out. You know, I've I figured it out several years ago. But I still it still amazes me that I still have to go back to the basics and remind people that this is not the end and this is the beginning of a new beginning. And in the future life is gonna be easier. I promise you, life is better f- for all of us today than it was in the 1970s, a lot of people still didn't have air conditioning. I know because I had a couple, well, I grew lived in a couple of houses with no air conditioning. And a lot of cars, we didn't have air conditioning. You rolled the window down. That's what you did. Yeah. In the wintertime, you just cracked your window. But, uh, the cars got about eight to 10 miles a gallon. And I remember when gasoline prices went over a dollar a gallon, I was like, what? Yeah. I think I was about 16. And everybody thought that, you know, that is crazy because 18 months ago it was a lot lower. I hear the music. That means i got to take a commercial break. This is Bill Bullington here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
4: do you ever find yourself saying i I need need a vacation 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 fixation can help at vacation fixation we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to mexico the caribbean and disney vacations why choose us our clients book through vacation fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. From an
0: idea that started in 1967, Our Lady of the Wayside has grown to serve almost 900 children and adults with developmental disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. It's an operation that is still growing thanks to tremendous support and generous donations like the Wayside's car donation program. You can donate your ride to the Wayside for a great tax write-off by calling 1-800-368-6262. The Wayside is also looking for people to join their team. They hire for attitude and train for skills. Visit thewayside.org to apply today. AM 1420, the answer. Wait till Goddard sees my woolly bear. Celebrating 100 years in Cleveland. The other day I was thinking to myself, made a list of all my mistakes. Oh, I wish I could have run to you and tell you all about my heartbreak. And I wonder to myself, wait a minute, am I even on the right path now? Had a couple wins, but I got knocked down. But I know that you are here right now, and you say, Ooh, sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. Ooh, you gotta get up, up again. Ooh,
3: wow. That song's appropriate. Appropriate? <laughs> I can't even speak this morning. Oh, so, hey, you know what I really, I feel bad. Um, I feel like I got off to a, uh, kind of a rough start, um, uh, this morning. You know, I, I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to feel better about the economy. Um, yeah, I see what's actually going on. You know, one of the things I, if you missed, uh, getting in on semiconductors, you know, that's one of the models that, that we have when we overweight that a little bit. It's basically 10% of the stock allocation. So it's not huge, but it's also in a lot of the other exchange shaded funds that we own. And I'm telling you that the growth there, the demand for that product is the heart at the highest of the world. There are so many shortages, you know, there it's slowing down the production of cars, for example. And, uh, it's mind boggling. So I think that I think that's an I think that's a layup. It it's actually down about 27% from its all-time high that was reached back in January. And uh, of course when you go into a single industry a lot of time the single industries are more volatile than the overall market is and it's only down uh, it's within a few percentage points of what that is and uh, and since then since the bottom of July it's actually up about 20% Okay. So, uh, and that's one of the indexes. Uh, that's actually, uh, semiconductor index. And there are several funds that you can invest in that hold every stock in that index. And I really think if you're looking out over the next, uh, five, 10 years, you're going to look back and go, wow, that was a good one. But that's my opinion. It's, I can't, we're not allowed to guarantee anything like that. Why do I feel that way? Because they're getting, semiconductors are getting into everything. I mean, ev- They've been doing it for quite a while now and it's not slowing down. I mean, it's expanding. So I feel like that's a really good addition to somebody's stock portion of their account values. And should you be a hundred percent in stock only if you're 40, you know, or if you're, if you're under the age of 50, then I think you could be, you could technically have a hundred percent in stocks and that would be okay from a risk return standpoint, but you may not be able to take it psychologically. If you're not willing to be down 50% or more in your stocks, you shouldn't buy them. And I've got this methodology. I've, I've seen all the methodologies that Morningstar, you know, that got sold for billions of dollars a bunch of years ago. They, I've seen their questionnaires. I've seen them. A gazillion questionnaires. None of them ever actually seem to address the point that the stock market can be down fifty percent or more. And if you're not prepared for that, that's one of the reasons people do so poorly because they didn't expect it. If if you were reading one of the world's largest asset managers publications and you saw that the average fluctuation was only 16%, you would be thinking that 16% is probably the worst I'm going to be down, right? No, that's not. you got to read the fine print. And you actually have to understand that they substituted standard deviation. They substituted the, substituted the word fluctuation because they think more people can understand it. I understand that part of it. But you look at fluctuation, an uh, uh, average fluctuation, which is the same thing as standard deviation, same thing. A little math con slap for you there. But so the average fluctuation being sixteen percent. Well, the average, what happens when it's above average? They don't talk about that. They didn't address it at all. Okay. So the and i I know I know why they're afraid that nobody would invest in my thought process is, was, and ha- and will always be. You should let people know what they're up against. You owe that to the, your investors to let them know, look, if you've got 70% of your money in stocks in some way, shape, or way, now I'm going to say stock funds, individual stocks are even more volatile than that, by the way. But yeah, uh, so if you've got stock a stock fund portfolio and you don't realize that you can be down 50% on that stock account, then you got another thought coming. And all you got to do is live long enough. We'll go through it again. it's happened multiple times and it may happen now. I don't know. And that's the other thing. No one knows. You don't, you cannot forecast that. If you could forecast that with a, with a, it doesn't even have to be highly accurate. Just get me within two weeks of the ultimate bottom. You get me within two weeks of the ultimate bottom. I will show you how to become a billionaire. And that should give you some idea as to how difficult that is. The fact that we don't have a whole bunch of billionaires walking around. (laughs) You got people around selling uh, systems and software and newsletters that that tell you that they know when to do that. And if they actually did know how to do that, they wouldn't be selling newsletters or software and or trying to get YouTube views. Okay. yeah, they just wouldn't need it. They wouldn't need the money. And that would be such a great secret they wouldn't want to sell it anyway. Okay, so the the reality is, you really don't know. What you can know is what's going on right now. That's what you need to pay attention to. What's going on right now? Uh, when I all the testing I've ever done, when I was rebalancing the the portfolios between stocks, bonds, and cash, the best period came up was every other year It wasn't every year wasn't every six months wasn't every month in fact all those other time periods ended up doing worse than doing one every other year does that mean that that's a gold standard no I know enough about statistics to know that that could be an anomaly (laughs) but uh, (laughs) so anyway in that case your guess is going to be as good as anybody's on the planet as to how many, how frequently you should rebalance. All I'm saying is that it has a tendency uh, to not be needed to be done nearly as much as people might think. And a once a year, once every other year rebalancing. If you have a, a, an event, I don't know, if the, if the market were to crash, if it were to go down more than 10 or 20% in less than a month, I would, that's where I would start raising my antenna. I would start to want to buy into that. Now, most people that that heard me say that it's down 10 or 20% in less than a month. They're thinking, Oh, you should be selling. No, you should be. If you look at every time that's happened on a graph, that's happened somewhere within, uh, 10 to 15% of the ultimate bottom, except for the depression when it went even further down. (laughs) (laughs) So even that's not foolproof, but more often than not, when you see a huge drop and you look at the volume and the volume is spiking, you can see an average daily volume and the volume six, seven, eight times its normal daily volume, you're probably within 10% or so of the ultimate bottom. You might be before the bottom or after the bottom, but you'll probably be within 10% or so. And that's worked out about 85% of the time, which means there's 15% of the time, but it's not going to work. But if you were going to do something, that's what I would look for. And it's called the washout. And I'll show you that the very next seminar that we do, we'll probably be doing one in October. So I'll just announce that right now. I'll show you what that's like. They don't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often, and again, nothing is 100% accurate, but the probabilities, the odds are in your favor if you're looking for that, especially if valuations are not super, super high. See, if you'd have done that in the year 2000, well, that market didn't actually bottom until 2003. Yep. So 2001, 2002, and all the way into 2000. it was three years the market was declining, and it was down a little over, the S&P was down a little over 50% during that time period. So, but the thing is it's come back and it'll always come back because that's how the system is made up. It's how it's set up. Now, how quickly it comes back depends on a lot of things that happen with the fed. The government can assist. They came to the aid of the public with cutting all those checks when, you know, the supply chains were really shut down. I mean, People had money, couldn't buy anything. But they, <laughs> well, you could if you got there real early when they got a new shipment. It, it was challenging. That, that when they say it's different this time, that was really different. I, I, that's the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. Although I'd heard about stuff like that from my grandparents during World War II. But uh, anyway, so every time it's a little bit different. The, the you don't have to know what's going to happen next, though. What you do have to know is what you're going to do in response. And you should decide that up front. You should decide that up front. What kind of volatility, what kind of fluctuation am I really willing to accept? Because I can put you, I can look up all the funds that, and by the way, the, the funds that have been performing the best over the past five years, they're growth funds. The growth funds have been performing best. Value funds have been lagging. You go over the past 10 years, it's growth funds. They go back over the past forty years, toss a quarter; they're within one percent of each other. So you all, you hear a lot about that too, growth and value. Oh, we know exactly when. And I used to do the sector rotation. I have to tell you, it doesn't work nearly as well as it used to. It's not horrible. You still be in the top fifty percent, but if you want to stay in the top five or ten percent of your categories. You probably need to use something that's got a market cap weighting plus a couple of other features that deal with valuation. I'm going to start talking about those next week, like those things. And we're using funds that incorporate that. That's why I'm incorporating it is because it's been shown to work very well if you give it enough time and you got to be patient. Time and patient. Well, it's a lot easier to be patient when you have time, by the way. And uh, one of the problems you can get into when you get into retirement is if you're taking out you know five, six, seven percent a year, and then the market crashes, and like it did in two thousand through two thousand three, it's going down three years in a row. So not only is the uh, uh, asset base dwindling down, but you're taking money out of it three years in a row. That's what you got to be on. Uh, you have to watch out for. That's one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of just doing market cap waiting. That means just by putting more money in the bigger stocks and less money in the smaller stocks, some of those smaller stocks are going to be the next Google. Some of those smaller stocks will be the next Microsoft or the next, uh, I guess Walmart's been doing pretty good lately. Had it. All these stocks, by the way, have had periods of more than 10 years where the returns were negative. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying you just have to be careful. You've got to be careful. You need to, really give a lot of thought to how much, what kind of a risk taker am I really? Where, where do I go? When do I start losing sleep at night over my investments? All right. It's at when they're down 10%. If they're down 10%, you're losing sleep. Well, you're not going to make much money. Okay. Because you can't put more than 20% of your money in stocks. You put 20% of your money in stocks and it drops 50%. Well, you're only down 10% overall. See how that works? Super simple. I'll come back and review that in a little bit, but uh, i got to take a quick commercial break right now. This is Bill Bullington on 1420. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: I got that good new smile on my face. I got that feeling that the world can't erase. There ain't a single day I let go to waste. I got that good new smile on my face. I got that beep, beep, beating in my heart. Some song rocking in my car. A little light gonna get me through the dark. I got that beat, beat, beating in my heart. All joy, no stress.
2: Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us one, no on call, because family time is sacred. Two, family first and we'll work with your schedule what good is raise a family money without quality time with the family three we've got a truck waiting for you, and ya. it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck four mom's breakfast every tuesday and it's so good six we're growing and you can grow with us you want to move up you can with us seven we'll teach you to wallock doodle and we'll teach you how to spell it eight no on call uh you already said that oh because it's important Five. work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland oh that is a biggie yeah I should have put that first or at least between 4 and 6 anyway if that sounds good to you hit us up at WyattWorks.com license number 30185
0: History was made on today's date. Stay tuned for an American Minute with Bill Federer.
4: He was the only person to sign all four of America's founding documents. The Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation, Articles of Association, and the U.S. Constitution. A shoe cobbler by trade, he was also a surveyor and merchant prior to his political career. As a congressman, he helped write the First Amendment, and at age 70 was elected U.S. Senator. Who was he? Roger Sherman, who died this day, July 23, 1793. When the British had surrendered over 5,000 troops to the Americans at Saratoga, Roger Sherman exclaimed, This is the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. This has been an American
0: Minute with Bill Federer. For a free transcript, call American Minute at 1-888-USA-WORD. You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain, or feel you calling me It's all on me to stay, and really catch what you're showing, it's my roots that you're growing, cause life is more than this moment, you are the light, so when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no not at all, you're right, it's my roots that you're growing, don't want to miss what you're showing, ain't no doubt about you.
3: Welcome back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. I hope you guys like this show. If you feel like uh, you've got questions to ask, you can go to my website at BullingtonCapital.com. You can either submit a question there on the Contact Us page, or you can just call me. And uh, the number's out there. It's 330-664-0700. And uh, if you can't tell, um, I really like this stuff. (laughs) and it's a challenge and you know there's some weird part of my personality that I've been this way my entire life you you show me two ways to go one looks pretty easy one looks almost impossible and I'm going yep the impossible one that's where I'm going <laughs> i hate that about myself too <laughs> it's a uh, wow it's a lot more work but the uh oftentimes you know it pays off so one of the reasons I'm so confident in this system is, is you know, I, I was really when I first started in the industry, I really didn't know that much, and uh, even though I'd taken all these classes in in school, I you know how that goes. You right after the test, you forget half the material, <laughs> and I never had to apply any of it. Okay, so now when you're applying it, and then you're applying it for a couple decades, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I get it now, and that's why I'm not upset, and that's why I'm very optimistic. I mean, right now. I, I thought things were growing really fast in the late 90s when everybody was getting internet access and cable was, you know, still a lot of people still didn't have cable. I thought that was fast growth. That is nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you that is nothing. Well, first of all, if the population grows by 3% a year over 20 years, you're with compounding your your populations about 70% larger. 70% of a couple hundred million people is a lot of a lot of demand okay and even when they're babies the babies require actually a lot you know, the diapers you hear all about the shortage on diapers clothing my kids ate a lot of food <laughs> i'm sure a lot most of yours do too the uh, now i got grandkids woohoo the uh that's a lot easier by the way <laughs> So you, you know, and you see all this stuff, and everything that you hear in the media—that it was around then. It, there just weren't as many voices. You you know you you didn't. The internet wasn't nearly what it is today. Um, you mostly cable TV. CNN was like super popular, and uh, um, you had media outlets. They just weren't up in your face twenty four seven. know, and that now, and that's what you've got. And I'm not surprised that people are, are reacting uh, more outlandishly than they did because, you know, they're being scared more often. And I uh, used to be able to turn that. You didn't. There were no cell phones. They were car phones. People don't remember that. Do you have a car phone? Uh, and <laughs> they were bulky. They were big. You had to, they ran off the car's battery, the electricity. That was the. uh <laughs> And Josh is uh, holding up a regular telephone and going, look, regular telephone. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> I haven't had a, uh, I I can't even tell you when I've had a landline. I, we have them in our office, but they're actually hooked up through the Internet. Uh, they're IP-based phones. Uh, so little computers on our phone systems. But it's just amazing when you think about all that change. And when I read about the change that's coming, it is awesome. It is, I'm telling you. As good as my life is today versus what it was 30 years ago, it's going to be double that in the next 30. I promise. And I I was going through pictures of my grandparents and my grandpa, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, wow, look how old they looked. And I wonder, wonder how old they were in that picture. So I, the picture had the date on it and I looked up their birthdays and I'm going, oh, holy cow. <clears throat> They're my age. My grandparents were my age in that picture. They looked like they were in their 80s. I mean, that's, <laughs> And I looked at, so I, I got interested. I started looking at other pictures and family albums and looking at what ages people were. And holy cow, I mean, they, they just, we have better lifestyles today than they did by far. I, You hardly ever hear of people who don't have access to air conditioning. And, you know, your cars have air conditioners in them, all of them. You know, back in those days, that was a, an upgrade, and you had to pay dearly for it. Actually, my grandparents didn't have access to that; I did, but uh, it's. Uh, I didn't want I never wanted to pay for it. The first four, the probably four or five cars that I purchased. <laughs> but the uh, so you think about that, and the fact that you can actually watch your investments in real time—that is one of the worst ideas I've ever seen. I promise you. And, and I'll take anybody's bet on this. You put people in a, uh, in a room, show them their stock portfolios and just play it like twice the normal speed. In a week, you're going to get at least one or two <gasps>, gasps out of it in, in a week. And they don't, uh, think about that too often. They just react. And, uh, here's something for you to kind of help you with that. You know, when you're thinking about reacting, Convert the, the declines or the increases into percentages, not points. Percentages. I can't tell you how people call it the, the Dow's down 300 points. Um, it's at 31,000. <laughs> 300 points is nothing. <laughs> no. Now, if it were that, that's basically 1%. So when you say, well, how much is it down? on? Well, it's only 1%. Oh. All right, let's go fishing. <laughs> Your mindset autom- almost automatic- automatically changes, you know. And uh, I'm sorry if if my laughter offends anybody. I, I don't. I'm not making fun of you. I'm actually making fun of me because I used to think the same way, and it took me a, a while to figure out that. Hey, wait a minute. You know, the worrying about this is not going to help, first of all. Secondly, there are lots of reasons for markets to go up and down all the time. Over the long run, they're going to go up, especially if the Fed keeps printing money. Now, I won't bore you with the uh, explanation of that. I'll, I'll save that for next week. But the uh, if the Fed stops printing money... Then we've got problems. Okay. Those are big problems. And they are also aware of that. So and the idea is to try to not heat up inflation too high. That's what they're trying to do. They're, the reason they're raising interest rates is trying to keep a lid on inflation and, and you know, I hope they're right. Uh in this case I, I the reason that they're doing it I have never really existed before. Uh so this is a grand experiment. But Sooner or later, it will get back to normal, and all there is an, an unbelievable amount of stuff, innovation that's been happening. You know, this is one of the reasons we have so many shortages on semiconductors because they all use semiconductors. Everything uses semiconductors today. All your testing equipment's computerized, all of it, and they have to have they have to store that data somewhere. They gotta have help interpreting that data with their other software packages. So it's just to me that's an easy one. Um, the other one that's easy is, is healthcare, and it's it's taking it on the chin too. And, uh, you know, you got all around the world, the fastest growing segment of the population is 60 and over. You think people get healthier at after 60? Really? <laughs> you know they don't. So the demand in that area is, is huge. Uh, it's one of the reasons that their revenues have still grown pretty substantially despite, you know, the shutdowns and, and the supply chain issues. I'm telling you, once this stuff subsides... That, it's going to flood, and, and demand's going to be good, and, and they're going to be feeling like they did you know, in the technology stocks in the late 90s. So if you don't know what that is or don't remember that because you're too young, you're going to get to see it again. So don't worry about it. All I can tell you is that it's going to do quite well for all the companies that are in those industries. And the people that work in those industries, they buy clothing, food, they pay for housing, uh, they put their kids through schools and they're consumers in other words. So as one area of the economy starts to grow, it literally spreads out to all the other and it has an effect on all the others. And that's a good thing. And uh, I see all the projects that are going on now and not just not government projects. Government is actually less than uh, a third of the total economy. It's about 30%. That means two thirds is private industry. No. How do you feel about that? Everybody always thinks that it's all government. No, it's not all government. Government's a smaller part of the total economy. The most the largest part of the economy is is private enterprise, and people working and paying their bills. And uh, it's a uh it's a beautiful thing. And as long as the Fed st- still stays there keeps their eye on things, tries to control the money supply the best they can. That's the other thing that the Fed is allowed to make decisions and then they're allowed to change course when they see that they should be changing course. It's kind of like flying a, a massive jet. You know, if you're in a massive jet and all of a sudden some unexpected turbulence uh, shows up, you can move to a different altitude. You can go around it there. You can make an adjustment. Okay. That's very similar to the way the economy works. You get some unexpected things happening. You can make adjustments. That's the beauty of the whole thing. You can make adjustments. None of that stuff is in stone. And even if it's in a law, you can get the law changed. Actually, you can take and get permission to take action without even changing the law and then go get to that later. So uh, we've got the ability to self-heal. And that's, that is a really good thing. One of the other really good things is if you're getting close to retirement and it's like, I got to get some income. And I really don't want to put that money in the stock market. I understand that completely, you know, and that they've been uh, insurance company. They invented products to help meet those needs for people that feel like they would like to have a higher level of guarantees and especially on their income. And so they're called fixed index annuities. A lot of them are not, you know, it's like every other product out there. You, you have to shop around. Some of them are better than others. And, uh, Some of the companies that offer products don't have a very good credit rating, so you need to be careful of that. And But when I'm looking at the rates of distribution that they'll pay, it's pretty good. It's actually very good relative to current interest rates. Uh, The thing about that is you want to, you know, it's going to be higher, so it starts off pretty high, but it doesn't go up. That's why you're still going to need to have some stocks and bonds uh, in your portfolio as well for future inflation. Yeah, that's going to be a fixed product it's it the rates are high. they are two to three hundred basis points in, you know translated into English that's like two to three percent higher than c d or treasury rates are right now uh, there you have to commit to it for long term though that is not something that you want to do uh, with your money if you need to take the money back out uh, at some point in time. you're really going to use that just to supplement your income at some point in time, or maybe you just want to pass it on to a beneficiary and you want to guarantee that they'll guarantee a minimum rate of growth on that as well. If you want to put a writer on there that does that writer is like a little insurance policy that you add to one of the annuity products. So there are tons of them out there and, uh, I'm not going to try to get super. Specific. I can't even speak this morning. Super specific. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> The uh, I won't get super specific and i uh, just let you know that there are products out there that will guarantee incomes, um, you know, if, depends on your age. The older you are, the higher the income that they'll guarantee because obviously your life expectancy and you don't have to lose all the money when you die. Now, that's important. There are a bunch of older products out there where you would invest in this. They'd guarantee an income for your lifetime even if it ran out of money, they would keep paying you. But if you died a couple of years into it, got a, you know, an accident, or got sick, whatever happened, uh, now they'll pay your beneficiaries whatever you have left, and that's that's kind of a big change. And when you're taking pensions from a, a big company, you got to be careful on that. Some of those, uh, some of the older plans out there, still, if if you die and don't have a, a beneficiary benefit on that plan, they, they'll keep the rest of your money. So you just have to check, you know, Just and that's one of the reasons I have a job is uh, if you don't know how to do it, you can call me up and I can walk you through the process. We can actually make a, a conference call to your em- employer's um, benefits managers and, and figure it out. So it's just a lot of what we do there. What am I going to do? How am I going to supplement my income in retirement? That's probably 90% of the things that we do uh, at Bullington Capital. And, uh, try to get those plans together, put them in place and then monitor and make adjustments whenever we think we need to make adjustments. And, uh, but to know that, you know, I'm watching, we're watching and that we're selecting these things based on logic and what has worked well in the past. So those are two entirely different things. Something that has worked well in the past that's not logical eventually is going to break. <laughs> Just 30 years of experience there. The, uh, something that, uh, has worked well and is logical has a tendency to do better in the future. And, uh, saying you're never allowed to guarantee returns, but, you know, all other things being equal, equal, if it's logical, it makes sense, uh, and it's done well in the past. Well, you know, that's about as good as you get. That's about as good as a guarantee that, that that you'll get. It's, let me give you an example, a really quick example here. Let, let's say I, uh, I'm going to invest in stocks who have a uh, an earnings yield. That means if you took the profits that they made and divided by the share price, it tells you kind of like, here this one's paying 5%. This one's paying 3%. Which one do you want? You know, every time I ask that question to an individual, by the way, would you rather have the 5% or the 3%? They look at me like, uh, uh, like it's a trick question, you know, and it's not a trick question. <laughs> I'm, I'm being ser- <laughs> sincere. Would you rather have the five or the three? And, uh, well, what if the three grows to six over the next two years? Okay, well, then in that case, you'd have been better off picking three, but you have to have a crystal ball that works to figure that out. Okay? So, uh, anyway, uh, I have really rambled today. Sorry about that. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to call me or email me, uh, bill at bullingtoncapital.com. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. <laughs>
0: The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel
1: world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the
0: use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.